0: On today's episode of the Thriving in Ministry podcast, we're talking about eliminating non-value-added work. How is it that pastors can create margin, and what are the routines and habits that lead to value-added input? This is a Thriving in Ministry podcast brought to you by Daily Pastor. I'm Kyle Willis, founder of Talenton Church Services, and as always, from dailypastor.com and a pastor himself dace clifton hey dace we are back again man
1: man happy to be here that's right still a pastor have not been fired yet so man phenomenal
0: no and i am thankful for you as this is releasing uh it is the week of thanksgiving and so uh pastors are getting a little bit of margin uh however sunday is around the corner so dace let me ask you this what is one thing that you're thankful for this year
1: Man, this is going to sound – you didn't prepare me for this, Kyle. But No, I did not. Honestly, the first thing that comes to mind is uh, my wife.
0: Aw.
1: I know. She's not going to listen to this either, so I get no street cred for what I'm about to tell you. But I can just tell you, we've been married. January will be 20 years. And it's like I've lived and had two different marriages with the same woman in the sense that, man, I've talked on other episodes, the first few years of our marriage – Man, I, we were so on, we were on such a different track. And I was just really, to put it in theological terms, extremely selfish. And to see the transformation that God's done in our lives and in our marriage, next to Jesus, there's nobody I love. There's nobody I care for more. There's nobody that I have more fun with than her. And granted, I've got a, a small sphere of, of friends and Christian brothers, but man, nobody can compare to that lady. And so, man, she's the one that I think about in that category followed by you, my brother. Oh,
0: wait, wait, were you asking me to respond or were you saying that I was second only to Jackie? You're,
1: you're, you're, you're pretty close. You're at the upper echelons, man. Let me tell you the upper echelons
0: inner circle trust tree. Hey, I appreciate it. And uh, you're in my trust tree as well. Uh, there's certain things we we talk about offline. But hey, Dace, I got to tell you one thing that I'm excited or thankful for. And this is an unpopular opinion. Let me let me pause right there. <laughs> I like it. One thing I'm thankful for is that 2020 has been a disruptive year. OK, <laughs> um, I know that is not a popular opinion, but it is caused pastors, it's caused church leaders, caused church congregation, it's caused us that want to do ministry and create momentum and margin in our ministry. Uh, Man, it has really turned our worlds upside down. And so uh, one thing, although I never want to relive 2020 again, (laughs) uh, I think it has been beneficial uh, to kind of call into question some things that have been A little bit challenging, and and so anyway.
1: Well, you know, Kyle, it's all how you take it, and I say that because there's a there's something I heard just a few days ago that really just encouraged me when we're thinking about the dysfunction of 2020. You know, there's a lot of restaurants that have had to close down because of uh, 2020, but when you come when it comes to Chick fil A they had made a conscientious choice to to step up their drive-through game and during covid in the last few months they have posted record profits and the reason why they were able to do that is because they adapted to this crazy and this unusual change and i think there's a lesson for us in that you know the gospel's not irrelevant you know the church is not irrelevant so if we could adapt man we could see some good things but yeah in spite of that i'm ready for 2020 to be done
0: yeah, absolutely and and kind of like we were talking about how 2020 has upended some stuff. Uh, I can think back to the financial crisis of 2008 and to give you some history or some perspective on uh what we're talking about eliminating non-value added work. Yeah. You know, back then I was um a few years removed from college and working for a large company and and had a number of employees and what happened was when the economy shrank and jobs were lost, it had a profound impact on our business. And we tried everything we could do to not lay people off. And so we kind of had this phrase that, value-added work was something that a customer notices and is willing to pay for. And we went on a, a killing to eliminate non-value-added work. And so we would filter this, hey, is this something someone's going to notice? Yeah. And is this something someone's willing to pay for? And if not, why are we doing it out of, side of maybe compliance and yeah. so uh we went on a tear and eliminated meetings eliminated random functions and and different events uh because they weren't something that the customer would notice and pay for and that's how we we save jobs and so days you know i want to ask you this from the pastor's perspective they may not say that uh, they have a customer and and that those customers are willing to pay for X. But can you kind of internalize that for pastors and church leaders listening? You know, what are those things? Who is the customer and what are they willing to pay for?
1: As far as our customers go, I mean, it's a <laughs> we are in the people business, right? Because God is in the people business. And so how is God's Purposes and work going to continue or going to develop in the people that I'm leading, or in my staff, or in my own life through what we're doing. And if God's purposes aren't being advanced or developed in the lives of those around me and in my own life through some particular aspect or process of ministry, um, then there's a good argument to be made that it is time to go. Well, Dave,
0: let me ask you this more specifically: you know, what is the end customer? for for you and your church or the normative church in America, not and I don't want like three people groups. So but like I don't want our internal church, the yeah. those in our community, our staff, yeah. whatever. Who is the end customer, quote unquote?
1: I think for me the end customer is those in need of life change. Okay. Because that's the thing that reinvigorates me and my ministry. It's seeing Jesus's purpose and work. Uh, and works, uh, in individuals advance. Right. And so as I see transformation in people's life, really what I'm seeing is I'm seeing more of Jesus reign and rule in people's lives. Uh, and I'm not, you know, I'm not a, one of the, I'm not what they would commonly call like a seeker guy. I mean, you know, I'm kind of a, you know, anti seeker. I am yeah, I'm, a, but on the other hand, you know, I, I don't, Culturally, I guess I'm, I'm not totally in that camp, but man, Jesus sought people, right? Jesus came near people that were hurting. And so for me, the thing that would encourage me the most out of ministry when it comes to who is my customer, the thing that gets me the most uh, pumped up is when I'm seeing Jesus type life change in a person.
0: Okay. And so to take this concept, what we're saying is, what can we eliminate that is not directly focused on... Lives being changed, okay, and I would guess they, in most pastors and most most church staff in their time and schedule, um, I'm going to say seventy percent at least, mm. and that may be low, yeah. is not focused on that direction and that clearly um, defined goal, yeah. right? Wouldn't yeah. you? Wouldn't you agree that's the case? I would agree that there is a high
1: degree of stuff. There's a high degree of stuff that pastors and that even ministries as a whole do that is not effective and doesn't have anything to do with Jesus' life change.
0: Well, and to clarify, I'm not even talking about not effective, okay? Because you may be doing something very effective, okay? but it's not related. It's not tied to that goal. So if I go back to that original question is, you know, what does the customer notice and willing to pay for, Mm -hmm. like what we weren't focused on there is people that weren't paying us what we weren't focused on is people who didn't want to be our customer yeah so so all that to say you know i i just think that uh, you may be doing some things really well but that may not be aligned with your mission
1: All right, Kyle, well, let's get to the core of what we're going to talk about today, and that is non-value-added work or time wasters for pastors. So what are a couple of things that are time wasters for pastors?
0: Yeah, so one I would say is trying to reinvent the wheel, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, So many pastors are checking out other churches and trying to duplicate what what other churches are doing yeah. and fit it into their context <laughs> where, uh, so they may be watching a YouTube video. They may be watching a sermon from a pastor down the street. Um, and, and really instead of spending some time in true creativity and saying, Hey, uh, what, what should we be doing? What, what kind of content should we mm-hmm. be pushing out as a counterbalance to that is, Passers are trying to do it all. And sometimes they're not insourcing when they should be. You know, one of the things that I'm passionate about through Talenton Church Services, is helping create margin for ministry. And we do this in facilities and accounting and some of these other areas. But you know, it's, it's really interesting. So there are people who can come alongside of you when you need help, yeah. but that's not a very clear answer. But there's this balance between trying to create everything new, but then also leaning on other people and other experts' advice, right?
1: I think that is uh, the thrust of what you're saying is clear, Kyle, in the sense that you know, we can fall into this trap where we're trying to take something that works somewhere else in a very specific environment and we're bringing it into our environment, which is really specific. And that can certainly lead us down a road that really is going to waste some time because. Uh, It just might not be effective, right, for the situation that we're in. So great point. Well, let me ask you another question, Kyle. And I know I've got an opinion about this, but you work with a lot of churches and you work with a lot of pastors. So Kyle, are pastors trying to be all things to all people?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think, Dason, you would even admit to this, too, of being a people-pleasing pastor, right? It's terrible. When it's someone someone inside your circle, uh, it's really interesting, right? You answer that phone call, that text message right away, and not just you, but all pastors. (laughs) What's interesting to me is that as we're talking about elimination of non-value-added work, hey, listen, pastor, you are not the answer to all things for all people. Yep. And so it is okay to not answer that email or not pick up that phone call. Uh, what I see happen too often, though, is that pastors are taking the phone call, having the conversation of things that weren't going to align with their mission yeah. and their ministry. Right. And, and with output that is going to change lives. And so, uh, you know, I'll kind of give this example. I got two quick stories, but one is. um One is this guy we had sent to a time management class and in there they said, don't answer your emails except, you know, at four o'clock. That's when you check emails and answer them. Well, four o'clock never came for this guy. And he ended up having like 5,000 unread emails and could never get out of it. And he was just like, they told me not to answer it. We're like, no, you missed that point. Uh, But but on the other hand, one of the things that's been interesting to me is in my line of work, I I reach out to a lot of pastors, right? And so I'll shoot them an email and say, hey, I'd love to meet. Um, Can we meet for coffee? Just introduce myself and learn about your church. And almost everyone doesn't return that first email. Yeah. And so it's interesting for me to say, hey, I work with churches. I'd love to hear about your church and not get a response back. Yeah. And I'm, I don't take it personally. That's just part of it. Yeah. But almost every pastor now that we work with, they will say, well, yeah, I saw your first email, but I just blew it off, yeah. you know, or I meant to respond And so it's just, it's just interesting to see that had I been within their church and I had said, Hey, can you tell me what's happening on Wednesday night with the children's fundraiser that pastor would have replied back or he would have had a response, but someone's coming to him saying, Hey, I want to help you in your church. And they'll be like, nah,
1: I'll get that later, right? (laughs) Well, you know, I I can definitely identify with trying to be all things to all people. I'm trying to recover from that, honestly, in a different way. And one very, very quick story on that. You know, Kyle, you know, and we've been talking about it a little bit that, you know, I went on a 90-day sabbatic. And when I came back, I'll just say this, I felt like the operations of our, our church were working better than when I left because there were several people within Uh, our church, some of our lay leaders that knew I was going to be gone. I was going to be out for 90 days and they took on more responsibility. And uh, man, it was just cool to come back and see a change and how healthy that was for the church. And so just an unexpected benefit, I think, from that.
0: Right. And so, what you're saying is that uh, the church ran better from an operations perspective when you got out of the way.
1: Well, definitely. I mean, apparently, I wasn't there to slow things down or screw them up. So, yeah, absolutely, Kyle. That's definitely what I'm saying. Yeah,
0: but, but really, and I'm giving you a hard time, but it's this imbalance of like short term priorities, right? Versus long term goals. If, if I can sit here and say, you know, what the win is for pastors on eliminating non value added work, mm. it's this shift. And so if you feel like you're always living to Sunday, right, if you feel like, man, I just got to get through this week and everything is short term and by short term, I mean, one, to, one day to one month, yeah. then you're not going to have that vision that we talked about of how can i change lives because a lot of times that doesn't happen in one day it happens over weeks months and years and and so let's shift that focus the win is can we shift our focus to long-term projects and goals so, you know, to kind of wrap this part of it up, you know, I would say uh, one thing that we do is we try to make it to Sunday. And one of the biggest time wasters uh, and one of the things I would encourage pastors to eliminate from their work schedule is what I would call like over socializing in the office. Mm. Yeah, And that can be with church staff members. It can also be with people in the congregation. Uh, but I'm amazed time and time again, the, I won't say relaxed nature, but how after you are in, after you've made it through the front door of a church, how oftentimes what could have been handled in a 90 second conversation or a 12 minute conversation ends up taking 45 minutes. And then, Oh, by the way, I need to go grab lunch and I got to send out this report. And so like three hours have passed and there wasn't any value added work. Mm -hmm. So I'm not saying that a hundred percent of a pastor's time needs to be spent on changing lives, but it can't be 15% of the time. Yeah. Right. And so what can you eliminate? If you take nothing away from this today, what can you eliminate from your schedule that is not impacting and changing lives? That's what I want you to think about. And the answer is not always more delegation. Sometimes the answer is, hey, we're going to kill this thing. We're going to move on.
1: Yeah, that's good. We had several people come by yesterday that I really wasn't planning on seeing, but they came by and and, and we spent some time together. But the cool thing for me... (laughs) I'm an extrovert, but I work with several introverts. And so basically... <laughs> you know, You know, you know how an introvert functions, Kyle. They they go into their office, you know, and they're good to go, man. And so, uh, you know, that can work in your favor sometimes because instead of the over socializing office, you can also have the under socializing office, which sure. is a whole other episode. Well,
0: and that that can also lead to change lives. So I'm not saying, hey, don't don't be friendly, but there's a big difference between a five minute conversation and one that you look up and an hour and a half later. Yeah. You guys talked about nothing, right? You talked about who should have won the the election and stuff like that. So Dace, can you give us a couple closing tips to eliminate non-value added work for pastors and church leaders?
1: Well, you can implement these right now. The first one is schedule appointments at the beginning or the end of your day. You know, you need to protect chunks of time in your day for the most valuable tasks. For me and most pastors, that's going to be study time. That's going to be being well prepared for your weekend ministry, sermons, teaching, conferences, etc. So schedule that time. You know, to do those things, guard that time, and that way you'll be able to get it in early and be well prepared. The second one is, you know, you can redeem time when you travel with a purpose. Make a phone call while you're driving to an appointment. Call someone. Maybe, maybe you've been putting off calling someone uh, for a particular period of time because you know it's going to take twenty or thirty minutes, and so redeem the time. Make that call on a trip while you're in the car. You can also pre-record a sermon with audio, listen back while you're driving, you know, redeem that travel time, that undesignated time. I think you'll free up some time for what matters the most.
0: Well, as always, we hope that you've enjoyed this episode of the Thriving in Ministry podcast as we talked about eliminating non-value-added work. Hey, Dace, I think there's a lot more that we can unpack here as pastors and church leaders are really trying to create margin in their ministry, but one very important value-added work for pastors is subscribing to dailypastor.com and this podcast don't you think
1: well absolutely we haven't even told you about the really really good stuff so yeah you Mm. need to do that
0: absolutely so if you do nothing else today top of your priority list like, and subscribe. Uh, As always, we hope that you've been encouraged by the Thriving in Ministry podcast as we talk to church leaders about how to create margin, avoid burnout, and
1: lead effectively. That's right. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. Here's how Daily Pastor supports church leaders. First, register your email to get access to our latest content. Second,
0: subscribe to our podcast and follow us on social media. Third, get the encouragement and tools you need. This is a Thriving in Ministry podcast brought to you by Daily Pastor.